Easter to you. If you're joining us for the first time, we just believe the Word of God is, is His voice to us. And I know as we've read these scriptures for four Sundays straight about the battle that we're in, uh, you may go, wow, what is this church about? You know, talking about spiritual warfare, talking about an enemy. Is that this kind of church? That sounds a little crazy. And I would say, yes. Uh, we believe it's true, and we believe it can be true for you too as well. Let's just declare these words over our life as we talk about the war that's going on and how God has already won it. Here we go, here we go, out loud together, both campuses. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, come on, before you sit down, fist bump three people and say, stand firm, stand firm, stand firm. Well, good morning, church. It is good to be with you today. It has been great last week to be with our Fredericksburg campus down there. And let's just tell Pastor Andrew again how grateful we are and his voice that God used last week. Powerful. Powerful, powerful to see what God is doing in both locations today. Stand firm. Come on. It's Thanksgiving week. Happy Thanksgiving to you. I know some of you are going to be in town this week and have family in from out of town. If you are, come next Sunday. We'd love to worship with you next week. Uh, if you're traveling this week, be safe on the road. Pray that God would use you and whoever you're at the table with this next week, that people can see the thankfulness of the Lord coming from your life as you get a chance to be grateful and thankful as a nation that we live in. Well, today we are going to continue and actually conclude our series on spiritual warfare. <clears throat> and I know that's kind of a, an interesting topic in our modern day uh, culture, but to me, what a timely topic. This idea of we struggle not against flesh and blood, but the struggle is real, right? The struggle is real. When I thought about what is your struggle today, would anybody even admit today on either campus that you're in a spiritual warfare. Would you even admit that today? And then if I were to ask, what is the struggle? Or better yet, who is the struggle, right? And then what is it doing to you? What is it doing to your day? What is it doing to your sleep? What is it doing to your emotions? What is it doing to your outlook on life? Come on. We struggle not against flesh and blood. Tell your neighbor, yeah, right. <laughs> Because it sure feels like flesh and blood a lot of the times. Isn't that not true? Well, listen, I don't think that's what Paul was trying to say exactly here. He's not saying the struggle's not real. He just said that's not all that it is. And what he's trying to help teach us, and this is what we've been doing the last four Sundays, is that we live in a physical world, and at the same time, we also live in a spiritual world. Now, you can live blinded to one or the other, but it doesn't remove the fact that it's true. And we can't separate these worlds that are actually together. They overlap together. 
the physical and the spiritual. And so what Paul's trying to help the church then and what God's trying to help us now is you got to know the difference between what you're battling in. And so in this, he said, in this book of Ephesians, we got three enemies. Come on, who remembers that one? Three enemies, right? We've got the world, we've got the flesh, and we do got an enemy, an adversary, the devil, right? We're going to talk about that because our world is a world that opposes God. Our flesh is what opposes God oftentimes. And our enemy, the devil, wants to use the world and the flesh to separate us from God. We've got a good God that came to earth and he wants to connect us, but our enemy wants to separate us. If we could just get that in the right order, man, that's half the battle. To understand what we're up against. And today as we conclude this series, we titled the series Blind Spot. Come on, either campus, has this been helpful teaching for you? Come on, let's give God the glory for that one then. He's showing us, he's showing us how to live for him. But here's what I always weary about as a pastor and a teacher and a preacher. Anytime you're about to teach something, you know you're about to go through it. And so sometimes when I look at topics like, oh, we're going to preach on marriage, I'm always going, oh, man, we're going to preach on marriage, right? And I knew we were going to preach on spiritual warfare. I went, uh-oh, what is this going to be? And listen, I'm not so sure my preaching causes this to happen or maybe what it does when you're focused on something, all of a sudden you're now more aware of what's already happening. And so in this, oh, man, the last four weeks, you know what's been breaking loose. And it's that tension of how do I continue to stay faithful? How do I continue to put on the whole armor? How do I stand firm when everything about my flesh wants to fall apart? The spiritual attack is real. Come on, anybody feeling spiritual attack? I'll ask it again, right? And I believe oftentimes the enemy, the way he attacks Todd Gaston, he has certain weapons he loves to use against me. I'll just go ahead and confess them today because I don't want, I want to put light on what the enemy wants dark. So if I put light on it, come on, it'll begin to dispel its strength and power over me. I'll tell you right now, you know what he loves to use against me? He loves to use stress in my life against me. Anybody relate to that? And he loves to use disappointment in my life. I've shared about a couple of things that I'm mourning through, some friends, some funerals I've recently gone to. And man, that's messing with me right now. Probably his greatest tool right now against me too is my insecurity. Anybody's that familiar? He loves using insecurity and man, what did I say or what did I not say and all that replaying and re replaying and reliving that again and again and again. Listen, it's the enemy, man. He's real. Right now he's using some financial frustration in our family and I can feel that. And, and I wonder sometimes if the spiritual attack, come on, we don't struggle just against flesh and blood though. We're struggling against something greater here. And so can we at least see it? But I'll just go ahead and say this. When I'm in a battle, and I might even be mature enough to clearly know I'm in the battle, you know what I still do? I still want to retreat. I still want to push back. Sometimes, you know what I want to do? I want to push against people out of my life that I actually need right now in my life. Isn't that, isn't that what's funny? We push against the very help that could be ours. I'll just say that for all of us today. Can we go there? This idea of pushing people away. And you know what happens when you push people away? 
your battle gets darker. You know what happens when it gets darker? You have more blind spots. <laughs> so I do think this is necessary conversation for us today. So again, can anyone relate? And if you can relate, here's what I would ask. How is your prayer life right now in the battle? Who are the spiritual people you can trust right now in the battle? And do you know your blind spots? Do you know the, the weapons the enemy uses against you? Come on, can we just be honest about that today? Now, if you're brand new to the series today, I kind of did a metaphor here for our series, and I called it blind spots. And we've been referring to this idea of driving a vehicle and when you're in a vehicle, there's going to be some blind spots. Listen, you can look out the windshield and see a certain direction. You can look to your right and left, and you can look through your mirrors and see certain places, but there's still going to be some blind spots you can't see without turning around and actually giving a quick look. Blind spots. But in addition to that, I said blind spots are also those times and those areas that we get too comfortable in, that we get too familiar in. And I shared a stat that most accidents happen five to 10 miles within the radius of your home. Have you ever been in the car and you get somewhere and you get there and you're like, how did I get there? I don't remember, right? Because you could put it on autopilot because you've done that drive so many times and it's too familiar. And I believe that's how the enemy loves to attack us in the areas that we're most comfortable in. And so blind spots, as we continue to look at this, I loved what Pastor Andrew shared last week with us. He shared about his early driving mishaps. Do you all remember that? Come on. He, his first experience was backing up into a telephone pole. And so today, I titled today's message, Backing Up. And, and as I thought about that, I thought about all the people at both campuses in your experience with driving. How many people here today would admit in front of God and your witnesses that you have had an accident backing up your car? Come on, anybody? I see those hands. I see those hands. Now, everybody that sees a hand, look to that person and tell them, bless your heart. <laughs> Did you know that 500,000 accidents happen every year with people having the car in reverse? a whole lot of accidents. You know why that happens? Because when you're backing up, guess what happens? You got a lot of more blind spots, right? You can't, you can't always see the direction you're going. Come on, back it up. Backing up is dangerous, right? Now listen, as I've been having fun with this whole blind spot metaphor, I shared a few weeks ago and dimed my kids out about how on Good Friday, I had two daughters that totaled cars right on the very same day and and you know what I didn't I didn't finish the sermon there because guess what happened after that accident and after Easter weekend uh, dad kept preaching and preaching and preaching I preached sermons for the next 30 days about when you're driving a car you gotta pay attention you gotta look you gotta see who's around you you gotta be a defensive driver hey, you gotta be smart when you're driving the car I didn't tell you how I preached that message parents I didn't tell you that I preached it and I didn't tell you in that same 30 days I'm preaching that message I had an accident <laughs> I left that out of the sermon right on purpose, you know. Listen, last, last year we added two more drivers to my family. And by adding two drivers, we kind of did some car switching around. And I ended up with the 10-year-old minivan. There's nothing cooler. First world problems, right? 
I get it, I get it, I get it. But can I just tell you, driving a long minivan is so much different than driving my Explorer and my Jeep of past, right? Women, I don't know how you drive that thing. But I've been driving that thing for about a year now, and, and, and here's what happens also in my house. We've got a driveway that once we get all the cars in, there's often days we're out there having to reshuffle the cars. Again, first world problems, right? And so one morning, 5 a.m., I'm going to prayer. I don't know if that's ironic or me trying to act spiritual right now to you. It was a rainy day. I go out and get in my minivan and I go to back up the car in reverse until I hear crunch. And then I stopped. I looked back. I couldn't see. I thought maybe I hit the trash can. I've done that a few times. And I got out of the vehicle in the rain and realized I backed into my daughter's car who was angled behind me. And as soon as I hit it, I was like, ah. Oh. And all of a sudden, I could hear that pastor preaching sermons about, you got to pay attention when you're driving. And in that moment, I was just thinking, I cannot believe I just did that. So I went ahead and I drove to prayer. After prayer, the sun came out. I assessed the damage. I'm looking at it. And then I started thinking, I can get online and order a lens on the back of this car because I broke the lens on the back of the van and dented it in the fender. And I'm thinking, I can replace that lens and nobody will ever know I did this. I almost hate to admit that in front of you, but you know what? I, I did not want my kids preaching the sermon back to dad, right? And I'm thinking, how can I get out of this? And good thing I'm walking with the Holy Spirit because he convicted me and said, no, you're not. You're going to be humble and you're going to admit what you did. And so I went out and took a picture of it and I sent it in our family text message. And I said, look at what dad did today. Can I just admit backing up is dangerous? But can I tell you something more dangerous is living and fighting in spiritual warfare with no backup. Today, I want us to go back to Ephesians chapter 6, and we're going to talk about how Paul decides to conclude this message because there is something about this message that I want you to see because what could happen if we could get backup in our lives and in our faith no matter what we're facing? Now, I still think, spiritually speaking, wouldn't it be interesting if we had the technology that actually helped us in backing up? Now, there's a lot of cars, and maybe your car has it. We're figuring it out. They're putting cameras on the back of the car, right? And not sometimes that, but maybe you have a sensor that when you get too close, beep, 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 it alerts you. Some of you, your cars are so fancy schmancy, you even have review mirrors that tell you there's somebody in your blind spot. There's somebody in your blind spot. Come on, is that not good? Again, technology is there. What if spiritually we could get the same technology that when we're backing up or we're driving, something would alert us, danger ahead. Watch out, a crash could be imminent. Come on, men in the room. How many of us, if we could hear that sensor going off this week on Thanksgiving week, beep, 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 you're acting too distant. Beep, 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 don't be disengaged this week. Beep, 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 don't pull back. Come on, men, don't disappear. It's Thanksgiving. Don't go out and work in the barn and the shed. Don't come back, right? Are you with me? What if we had an alert? Hey, moms, what if we had an alert? Hey, moms, we're being a little too permissive. You're trying now just to be liked by your kid. Don't. Take away the boundaries. Come on, what if that alarm went off? Beep, 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 beep. Come on, y'all with me? Y'all don't like this sermon, do you? 
What about teenagers in the room? Come on. Woo, teenager. You're getting distant. Come on. You're too consumed with your Instagram. You're too consumed with Netflix. You hide in your room. You're always in your room. Come out. It's Thanksgiving. We want to see you, right? Beep, 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 beep. Anybody there? Hey, single adults, don't hang around that place too long. You know what happens if you stay there too long. You'll compromise. Hey, married adults, beep, 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 beep. You're trying to be right, so right that you've become wrong. And that rightness that's now made you wrong is hurting. It's hurting your marriage. It's hurting your relationship with the family. Y'all with me? Come on. Beep, 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 beep. It's Black Friday. Everybody, let's go shopping, right? Before you buy, before you charge, come on, before you, same as cash it, not true. You got to pay attention what you're about to do. Listen, what if we could just have something that would tell us you're about to do something stupid? Stop. Watch. Warning ahead. Come on. Before you make that sinful choice and that self-sabotaging behavior, it's going to diminish your quality with the people that you love. Pay attention. Come on. Anybody want that kind of technology in your life? That would be helpful before you went out the door for school and for work and even coming to church. Come on. And we think this and we feel this if we could just get the warning. But listen, I don't think people just wake up one day and go, Today would be a good day to ruin my life. I'm going to go crash my life, right? But I wonder how many people prepare to not crash. And that's what God is trying to do through Paul here and trying to help this church to wake up. Can I tell you, we don't have to wonder, what if I had that technology? We get something better. God says you in Christ get the whole armor of God. And isn't that a defense for us as believers to know how to protect ourselves? Come on, how many of y'all been here? We've been preaching on the whole armor of God. Anybody here today? Come on, y'all been here? Been here? Let's just replay this again. Now let's look at this because here's what Paul does. He does like I'm doing. I'm taking a modern day thing like driving in blind spots. He's taking a Roman soldier and said, hey, look at that Roman soldier. Let's look at what they're wearing. Guess what? Spiritually, God wants you to wear the same thing. Here's what he says. Come on, look at the word of God again. Verse 14, stand firm, there it is, and put on the belt of what? Truth, buckled around your waist. Put on the breastplate of what? Righteousness in place. Feet your fit with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition, take up the shield of what? Faith, which can help you extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Come on, take on the helmet of? salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God come on this is so beautiful and how he takes a physical thing and says spiritually that could be yours that could be yours now when I started thinking about this armor and people saying how you know how do I even put that stuff on daily and I start thinking why would I want to put that stuff on can I just go through it again let's just do a little inventory again come on listen why would you want to put on the belt of truth so that you can fight against the lie why would you want to put on the breastplate of righteousness so that you can guard against wrong behavior why would you want to put on the feet with the readiness of the gospel so that you can resist apathy? Why would you want to hold up the shield of faith so that you can combat unbelief? Why would you want to put on the helmet of salvation so that you can confront doubt? We need the armor of God. Are y'all with me? 
And yet in this, God wants to protect our lives from crashing our faith and hurting our relationships and destroying our lives. And yet the tension that we're facing, oftentimes in our spiritual warfare, we choose to withdraw and run away versus stand firm. This is exactly what our enemy wants us to do. Come on, again, his motive is clear. He wants us to separate. He wants us to separate from God. Now, I, I gotta do this for you because I think this gives a little bit more richness to it. In the context of Paul writing this letter to a church that he loves, where is Paul when he writes the letter? Come on, who remembers that? He's in Rome and he is in jail, all right? So here you got a guy who is in jail, right, for preaching the good news. And in his time in jail, he's now writing these words to encourage and to build this church up. I want you to see this because today, as I end this letter, I want us to look at the backup that God wants for our faith and for our life. Listen to the words here. Come on, listen to what Paul asks in his final words when he's finishing these thoughts with this church. Verse 18, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all of the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Now, I think you catch the first point here and what do we need is backup. Come on, we need what? Prayer, prayer in the spirit. How many times does Paul use the word prayer right here? Did you catch that? Come on, come on, come on, let's count them. Let's go, one, two, three, four, five. I think, I think prayer is gonna be a big key here. When he has to reinforce it that many times, I think prayer is the backup. Come on, he says pray on all occasions. He says pray all kinds of prayers. Pray, pray publicly, pray privately. Pray sincerely, pray specifically. Prayer, prayer is a regular part of a Christian's life. You gotta have backup. You wanna put the armor on, how do you do it? In prayer, in prayer, in prayer. Come on, we know this. Instinctively, we know this. But how many of us today, if we were getting real honest, we would confess, my life is prayerless. You know, when I think about our culture, I think it takes even greater intentionality to be a person of prayer in today's day and age than ever before. Why would I say it that way? Because there's a three descriptions when I think about our culture that go against the grain of prayer. See if you can relate to this. Come on. Our culture is defined as a hurried culture. We define how important you and I are by how busy we are. If I can be busy, then, then I must be valuable, right? And I'm telling you, hurried is an enemy to prayer. Y'all know this. You know what else we're marked by? We're a distracted culture, and technology is our major distraction. Now, I'm not saying technology can't be leveraged for good. There's some good that can come from it, but can I tell you, there's a lot of distraction that can also come from technology. 
Uh, this is how real time it was. I was reviewing my notes and I was trying to look up another verse on my, my phone. And as I was looking at my verse on my phone, I flipped over to Facebook. Before I know it, I'm scrolling on Facebook. I'm like, wait a minute, you're getting ready for the day. But isn't that, isn't that how alluring, how distracting technology can be? And I wonder how many of us are prayerless because of technology. And then when I think about maybe the, the last reason why prayer is challenging for our culture it's that, it's that we're an instant culture, which makes us impatient. And yet, what is prayer? Be still and know that I am God. What is prayer? Waiting upon the Lord. And the waiting and the being still, it works against the very culture that we're living in. And yet... Paul says, you want to fight the good fight? Guess what it's going to take? It's going to take prayer because prayer is how you put the armor on. Come on, come on. God wants to give us some backup and, and prayer is what it's all about. I thought about the disciples. They lived three years walking and living and talking with Jesus, the Son of God. Jesus, he demonstrated what faith looks like right in front of those disciples. And if you go back and reread the Gospels, look at how many times they they look at what Jesus is doing and they try to imitate it. And one of the things that they saw about his life is that Jesus, the Son of God, his life was marked by prayer. Y'all know this. Mark chapter 1, verse 35 says this. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left his house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Come on, prayer was more than just a conversation between him and the Father. Prayer was about presence. Prayer was about power here. And I want us to see this. Listen, what they saw in Jesus' prayer life, they wanted for their own life. Remember the disciples when they gathered around Jesus and they're seeing just what he's able to do. And they link it back to his connection to the Father and his prayer life. And what did they say to him? Remember? Lord, teach us to pray. They wanted in on that. How do we do this? And I love Jesus' response. He doesn't say, well, here's some methods of how to pray better. No. He simply says, well, let's pray it again. Let's pray together. And he gives us this beautiful Lord's Prayer that we still pray all these years removed. And again, what is Jesus trying to show them? He's modeling for them what prayer actually looks like. You know what God shows us here in this? Is that God is, is more interested in the relationship than he is the words. He wants the connection. And the scripture talks about being in a relationship with God as walking with God. That's what he wants for us. So prayer, prayer is so key to this relationship. It's our backup. Now, I give you three things to write down. If you're a note taker, I would, I would really lean in on these points right here because I think they can be helpful for you today. Here we go. Why prayer? Number one, prayer is the act of seeing reality from God's perspective. Again, we live in a physical world and we live in a spiritual world. God helped me to see. Prayer helps me to see what's at work right now in this moment. That vantage point, that perspective, it comes through prayer. Here we go. Number two, prayer keeps me connected to God's presence and his power. 
I think this is so important for us as Christians. When we begin to see what he wants in our life, we discover this in our time with him in prayer, connecting to his presence and to his power. Again, I think it's already happening around us. The question is, are we clued into it? Are we dialed into his presence and his power? So many of us say, man, I feel so powerless in my life. And I ask you, how's your prayer life? And sometimes that's the conviction of our soul. Here we go, number three, write this down. Prayer points me to purpose, and purpose points me to priorities. Come on, just like, just like God's presence and power has a relationship, God's purpose and priorities also have a relationship. And so here we got Paul, who is physically in prison, and in this moment, he's Asking for prayer from his very own church that he loves. I was even seen thinking about that. Here Paul is in a situation that's physical in nature. It would have been so easy for Paul to say, hey guys, I'm in a tough spot right now. I'm physically broke down emotionally. I have felt rejected and abandoned. I'm, I'm in a jail right now, and I would just pray that you give, pray that I can get some comfort in my situation. He could have easily prayed for that, and we wouldn't have even thought anything of that. We wouldn't have even bought battered an eye if he said, Pray for my release. Pray that I get out of this. Man, this is so unjust. All I did is preach the word of God, and I ended up here in jail. This is so wrong. Pray that I can get out of this. And we wouldn't have batted an eye at that. But isn't it interesting that when he is praying and he is asking for prayer, he doesn't ask for either one of those outcomes. Did you clue in on what he asked for? Did you see it? That pray for me that I may, what? Fearlessly proclaim the mystery of the gospel. That I may be an ambassador, an ambassador for Jesus Christ up in this jail. That people would know who I'm for and what I'm about. And people would be saved while I'm here serving God in jail. Now, come on. This is like a mind-blown moment right here. Because this flips our paradigm in the mindset of prayer. You see, too many of us in my own life, I'm praying to get out of stuff. And here Paul's not trying to get out of stuff. He's trying to get in and be dialed in to what God can do through the mess that he's in. This is, so, this is so pivotal for our lives here. I was even looking at this in a real practical term because I was thinking about this mindset, this prayer mindset. Come on, maybe you're here today. I know we got a college students back home. Maybe you're here today and you're failing that class. Maybe you're here today and you're in a horrible job. Maybe you're here today and you have been betrayed. Maybe you're here today and you've got bad health, uh, health reports you're fighting against. Maybe you're here today and you're in a broken marriage. What if instead of you trying to get out of it, what if you said, God, help me to be an ambassador for you in it. Use me in this moment, God, so that I can show you're the presence, you're the power that I'm standing on. Come on, is that for somebody today? Is that for somebody today? We miss it. We miss it as we read through this. But yet in this, Paul is showing us something here about God, meet me in my mess and lead me through it. And maybe somebody will get saved because they see me walk with you through it all. That's the power of a prayer mindset. 
But you know what? I'll confess on all of us, I don't always approach my life that way. As I confess right now, I feel spiritual warfare right now. And you know what happens when I'm going to stress and struggle? Stress and struggle will always invite me and invite you to selfishness and self-centeredness. It always will. And if we take the bait, we'll get stuck every single time. And yet, in this, what if instead we just begin to pray for God to lead us in the middle of it? Paul describes two types of prayers here. He says, all occasions pray, but then he says, make your request. And then he says, intercession, praying for others. So I want us to look at this idea of making requests. Why is that important? I'm not saying hold back your needs from God. Matter of fact, I'm telling you to give God your needs. Let him know what you're thinking. Let him know what you're feeling. There's nothing wrong in making, you know what you do when you make your request? You're looking for a God answer to an earthly problem that you're walking through right now. Invite God in to that. Invite God there. That's what a request is. Listen, we can make our supplication. We're in a relationship with God. He loves us. He wants to meet us in that moment. But then while you're praying for your request, I love it. He matches it up with intercession. Because see, intercession is praying for someone else. Why is this so key? Because you know what? As tough as your situation is, somebody's in something tougher. And if we could begin to pray for someone else, you know what that begins to do? It begins to free us from the path of selfishness to say, you know what, God, I don't want to be just about you meeting me here. I want to pray you meet them there too. And I'm going to pray for others. And as I'm praying for others, you know what that does? That kind of makes my world just a little bit bigger instead of it shrinking down to being all about me. This is so rich when we think about this backup of prayer. And, and it's tough sometimes when we're in difficulty to pray for others. But I'm telling you, it's, it's freedom of what God wants for us. I love what he also writes to this Colossian church. Chapter 4, verse 2, he says, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Come on, there's your Thanksgiving verse right there. And pray for us too, that God may open the door of our message so that we may proclaim this mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should and be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversations this Thanksgiving week always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you'll know how to answer everyone. Come on, you and I need backup in our situations. Prayer, prayer. What does your prayer life look like right now? Come on, this is how we fight our battles. We got a song we're singing right now about this is how we fight our battles, right? And I love that, that, that part where it says, it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Listen, prayer is how we fight our battles. And I know the restless world we live in, it's hard to be disciplined, to be purposeful, to be still, to pray, but I'm telling you, it is necessary for us to put this armor of God from the top of our heads to the feet of readiness. We need prayer. Are y'all with me today? All right, right behind that, quickly, let me give you the last part here. Number two, we need backup. 
We need people we can trust. Come on, we need people we can trust. I don't know if I'm saying the name right, but he says, Tychicus, Tychicus, my dear brother and faithful servant in the Lord, will tell you everything so that you may also know, know how I'm doing. Look at this. Come on, verse 21. You'll know how I am and what I am doing. I am sending him to you for this very purpose that you may know how we are and he may, look at this, he may encourage you. Peace to the brothers and sisters and love from the faith of God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. Come on, I love it, I love it, I love it. Hey, listen to me, the Christian mission is an all-skate. Y'all with me? Come on, the Christian life, the Christian life is a team sport. And if you and I are gonna face spiritual battles, we're not called to face them alone. Come on, we especially need people in our life to walk it out with us today. Are y'all with me today? And so when I look at this truth, Paul is sending a letter, but more than sending a letter, come on, he's sending a person. Come on, Tychicus, we all need a good Tychicus, don't you agree that? We need that in our lives. He said, I'm not going to send you a letter, I'm going to send you a person. And this person has the words from me to you, and, and, and he's going to come and not just give you the letter, He's going to also come to give you some encouragement. You need some encouragement when you're being discouraged. I love it. I love it. The word that it uses when it talks about this guy coming. Because listen, this guy came with these letters. And this might be minimized here, but I just got to give you this. He comes with three letters. One that he's going to drop off here to this church in Ephesus. Then he's going to go to Colossae and drop that letter off. And at the same time, he's going to drop off this letter to Philemon. Y'all know Philemon, the slave owner? And when he shows up with these letters, he doesn't come alone. He also has Onesimus, the former runaway slave. And he's about to reunite them, now brother to brother, now not master and slave. It's powerful. It's rich. I can't go there today. I got to keep preaching. But here, Tychicus, Tychicus, though, is what we need in our lives. We need a, a friend like this. We need people like this. Look at it. It says this. It says encourage. That's a Greek word called parakaleo. It means to call. To one side. It means to summon. It means to comfort. It means to strengthen. Where I get excited about this word of comfort, it's the same word used to describe the Holy Spirit, our comforter. He said, I'm going to send you a person that's going to put, that's going to put skin on God. And he's going to be like God. He's going to be like an encouragement to you right now at your church in this time of need while you're facing this spiritual war that's going on around you. Listen, I know this, the temptation, the temptation when you and I are going through tough stuff is to what? It's to pull back. It's to pull away. It's to isolate. But can I just tell you, that's the devil's schemes. He's trying to get you alone in your own thoughts. And he's trying to get you stuck like that. This week as I was preparing the word, I, uh, I was going to work out. And I've been working out with these same guys, same dudes for about 14 years. And, and there's been different guys that have shown up in different seasons that stayed for a year or two and moved on and out. And, but these two guys that I've been working out with have been constant for 14 years. And as I were going on Friday and I had the word of God in my head and I'm preparing for Sunday, I just saw a living example of this very passage lived out. One of the guys that's been working out for 14 years has slowed down with us in this last year because of some, some health things he's been battling. Yet 
we work out at his house. So we're always there. And many days he doesn't come down and join us because of some health stuff. Friday, he decided to come down and join us, but it wasn't to physically work out. It was to be a little more bold than that. What I love about this guy is, man, he's a man's man. He's a dude's dude. And he came in and he sat down and he said, guys, I need some prayer. He said, brothers, I need some prayer. That's what he said. And we leaned in. He said, listen, I'm going through some stuff. All of a sudden now, another health issue about my heart. And he went on to talk about his physical heart and trying to look at this and see what this is. But more than the heart, the physical heart, he began to talk about life and his family. And he said, brothers, I need some prayer. I thought, man, that's, that's exactly, listen, men, we're the worst when we're going through stuff. We pull back. We're like, I can do it alone. And we're the ones going, I'm going to work my way. I'm going to fight my way. I'm going to do this on my own. And that's exactly what the enemy would love for you to do. But can I just tell you on behalf of the scripture today, in the warfare, we need prayer and we need people. We need prayer and we need people. We need prayer and we need people. And yet, that's the very things we push back from when we're going through spiritual warfare. Let's wake up to the blind spot. Let's wake up and let's re-engage in what God would want to do in us and through us. So I'm going to ask you again, come on, come on. We're going to talk about how to end this, then let's just go there again. Because I believe today, God has brought us here today because many of us are going through some war right now. There's an earthly dynamic to it, and there's a spiritual dynamic to it. So I'm going to ask you again, come on, both campuses real quick. Here we go. How's your prayer life right now? Who are the spiritual people in your life you can lean in and trust? Who are the spiritual people in your life that you're not leaning on and trusting? Come on, how are you answering these questions? If there's conviction with any of these questions, then guess what? God loves you enough to what? Shine on your blind spot. Why? So that you can see your condition, you can admit your need for Him, and you can, in prayer, begin to get some back up again into your spiritual journey and begin to put on this armor all over again. Come on. But some of you, you know what's realized to you? As you've gone solo and you've put yourself in a very dangerous position. And today God says it's time. You need to draw back close. You need that group. You need that brother, that sister. You need that small group. You need that mentor. You need those prayer warriors. You, you got to lean back in there. Listen, come on. When you're going through the battle, you need prayer and people. Where are you neglecting right now? It's time to take a step of commitment again if God shows you an area of need. Now listen, here's what I believe today. Every time we come to this place, that prayer that Paul asked for, I pray quietly every Sunday morning. I say, God, pray that I fearlessly make known the mystery of your gospel today. Pray that I proclaim your mystery in a clear way. Because here's what I believe. Every time we gather, I believe there are people sitting among us that are lost, that aren't Christians. And this could be their day where God shines that light on their heart to show them his great love and mercy. He begins to show that he wants to forgive if they'll trust and believe. And this could be your day of salvation where you put that helmet on and all of a sudden 
God's word begins to make sense to you. Come on. Did God bring you here today to begin a relationship with him? Then don't push back. Don't resist. But I believe today, especially this week going into Thanksgiving, there's a lot of believers here that have pushed back from prayer and have pushed back from people. And today God is speaking. What do you do? What do you do with that conviction? Come on, don't miss this moment for us to each take a step. I love it. The disciples said, Jesus, we see something in your life that we desire. How do we get the presence of God in our life? Teach us. Lord Jesus, teach us to, to pray. We're going to do something we don't, we don't know what we normally do because I know this could freak people out, but come on, we're going to freak some people out today. Here we go. Stand up in Jesus' name, both campuses. Stand up. Come on, stand up. Stand up. Well, I'm not trying to push you past comfort, but I just think there's something powerful when we start to see we need prayer and we need people. We need prayer and we need people. And so we're gonna we're gonna share in the Lord's prayer together, but we're gonna do it like this. I don't know if you know the person on your right and left. I want you right now to grab their hands. Woo. And I know right now all you flu season people, you're freaking out. I get it. Listen, I get it. I get it. Listen, we got hand gel when you walk out of here today. In Jesus' name, you can sanitize on the way out. But listen to me. Reach across the aisle if you can and will. Let's come on. Let's pack this room. I don't want anybody alone because, come on, the enemy wants to what? To separate us, isolate us. God wants to what? Connect us. Connect us. Physically, I just think, I love this today because I love it because Pastor Andrew hates holding hands. I love it. I love it. Come on. Make sure Pastor's grabbing your hands right there. Listen, matter of fact, I'm alone. Come on. Get over here, Savannah. Troy, Troy, get over here. I need somebody. I need somebody too because I got I to gotta practice what I preach, right? Or I'll back into somebody's car this week. Listen to me. Listen to me. Don't miss the moment. Don't miss the moment that God's having with us right here, right now. It's preparing you for what you need to do this week to put on that armor, to be a person of prayer, and to be engaged with the ones that God's put around you to help you. So let's join our hearts together. Come on, both campuses, even online today. Let's say it. Come on, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's sing together today. Let's sing together today.